Hey everybody and welcome to the Get Lost podcast episode number 10. This one's going to be a little bit different. I did not have enough time or the ability to get people together for this one. So in the end, it's just going to be me. Um, I hope that's okay. I hope you can bear with me through this because I know it's going to sound not the best and not have the best content, but I wanted to bring you something special. Um, we're largely in the middle of October. Uh, we're fast approaching Halloween. I think our Halloween episode is going to be a little bit later than first expected. So tonight I'm going to bring you, um, a couple of, uh, kind of like haunted ghost stories, um, from, uh, a Japanese tales book that I have. Um, that book is actually literally going to be called Japanese Tales. Uh, you can find it. It's part of the Pantheon of Fairy Tale and Folklore Library. Um, I think you guys really enjoy it. Uh, if you guys ever wanted to read some really cool myths. Um, and then I also have another one. Uh, another. I'm going to read another three from the American Indian Myths and Legends. Uh, and that one's also going to be coming from the Pantheon of Fairy Tale and Folk lower library uh, and then maybe we'll just get into a little bit of uh, more modern um, urban legends and tales there at the end maybe talk about a couple others that uh, I think you guys might find interesting so thanks for joining me sorry this one was late love listening to, or you know love you guys for listening to us uh, and putting up with this stuff I know this is completely crazy and unprofessional right now but I hope you enjoy it in the end I hope this brings you some sort of fun uh, afternoon or something that you can listen to and enjoy. So, all right, without further ado, here are some spooky tales and stories from different cultures and a few of our own. Okay, everybody, I thought I would start this episode by reading several of my favorite folk tales, um, trying to find some different ones from around the world uh, that you can enjoy this season before Halloween comes up. And I thought that I would start by reading three of my favorite Japanese tales. Uh, I think these are really cool. I bought a book a while ago. Um, that had a bunch of old ones that someone had re-edited. Um, and I, I just think it's, I think they're really cool. I think they kind of add a, a different light, um, for different stories. Uh, you know, obviously from a different culture than, uh, American. Um, and I, I think, I think people really enjoy them. Um, the first one is called The Ravenous Storehouse. The great lover, Ariwara no Narihiri, made sure he courted every woman known to be a beauty, whether palace lady or common gentleman's daughter. He became especially fascinated with one girl who was supposed to be lovely beyond imagining, 
but unfortunately her parents had their hearts set on getting her a far more exalted husband than Narihira. He was not even in the running. Somehow, though, he managed to persuade her to run off with him. But now that he had her, where was he going to hide her? Finally, he remembered an abandoned, tumble-down mansion in the mountains. The door on the big storehouse was lying broken on the ground, but since the house no longer had a floor, he spread a mat in the storehouse after all. He had just lain down on it with the girl when lightning flashed and there was a crash of thunder. Drawing his sword, he got the girl behind him and kept watch through the storm. At dawn, it finally passed. Puzzled to hear no sound from the girl, Narihira glanced behind him and she was gone. Nothing was left of her but her clothes and her hair. He fled, terrified. Later, he learned that the storehouse was known to eat people. It was not the thunder that had gotten her after all, but the demon in the building. It just goes to show you that you shouldn't go near a place that you don't know, and as for spending the night there... Well, you shouldn't even consider it. I always thought that was a fun one. Um, when I first read it, I really like these uh, these few haunt uh, tales that they have in the book. Um, I really thought that one was just kind of cool. Um, very simple, of course, um, but very fun. Um, the next one I'm going to read is uh, it's called The Grizzly Box. Ki no Tsuke lived on an estate the regent owned in the Mino province. When the regent sent a gentleman to look after the estate, this gentleman came to rely on Tsuke above all, and it was Tsuke who was sent to serve the regent during a lengthy period when the regent was on duty at the palace. Finally, Tsuke got leave to return home, and on the way, he naturally crossed the bridge at Seta, where the river flows from the southern end of Lake Baiwa. A woman was standing there on the bridge, holding her skirt in her hand, and Tsuke, as he passed, thought she looked rather odd. Just then she hailed him. Where are you going? she asked. He dismounted politely. I'm on my way to Mino, he replied. I'd appreciate it so much if you'd take something there from me. Would you do that? Certainly. Oh, thank you, said the woman, drawing a silk-wrapped box from the inner fold of her robe. Please take this to the Murakoshi village in Mino. You'll find a woman at the western end of the bridge there. Give this box to her. By now, Tsuke was uncomfortable about the whole thing. Not that the request itself was difficult, but the woman was awfully strange. In the end, though, he found it was impossible to refuse. What's the name of this woman, he asked, 
Where does she live? Where should I look for her if she isn't on the bridge? And who should I tell her this is from? Don't worry, the woman answered. Just go to the end of the bridge, and she'll come. You can count on that. All you need to do is wait. I have to tell you, though, that you absolutely must not open the box. Meanwhile, Tosuki's servants, who saw no woman, could not imagine what their master was doing. Tosuke took the box, and the woman walked off. He rode on to Mino, but forgot all about the box until he was home, even though he actually crossed the bridge where he was supposed to make the delivery. This slip bothered him a good deal when he noticed it, and he decided to make a special trip back to the bridge. But since he could not go right away, he hung the box for the time being high up in an outbuilding. Unfortunately, his wife, a jealous woman, spotted him hiding the package. She assumed immediately that it was a present for some mistress, and as soon as he was gone, she took it down and opened it. It was full of gouged-out human eyes and severed male members with the hair still on them. Her scream brought Tosuke running, Remembering with horror what the woman had said about opening the box, he frantically put the lid back on and wrapped the box up again. Then he took it straight to the bridge and waited. Sure enough, a woman appeared. He handed her the package with a short explanation of how he had come by it. This box has been opened and looked into, the woman observed as she took it. No, no, it hasn't, Tosuke protested. I, I assure you. The woman's expression became dreadful. You've done a terrible thing, she said, but accepted the box nonetheless. His mission completed, Tosuke hurried home. Ill now, he took to his bed. His wife bitterly regretted opening the box, but it was too late. Shortly, he was dead. That one's fun. A box of severed male members with the hair still on them. Yeah, that's a crazy ending. But it's also kind of like Pandora's box. But I really, I really like that story, though. I think it's, again, all of these are going to be very simple, uh, very quick, kind of. Actually, I think the next one's a little bit longer. Um Actually, I think I'll go with, uh, I think we're going to go with another one. It's a, uh, not a huge, not a, not a huge one. Um, I think this one is just kind of another quick and, and simple one. I think you guys will like, um, it's called the rooted corpse. The elder of two sisters was married and lived in the mistress's apartment toward the back of her late father's mansion. The younger had served for a time in a noble household, but now lived at home. She had no husband or accepted lover, only occasional 
casual visitors whom she saw in her room at the front of the house by the double doors in the west wing. The house was near the crossing of Takatsuji and Muromachi streets in Kyoto. At the age of 27, the younger sister fell ill and died. Her body was left in her room since there seemed to be nowhere else for her in the house, till her older sister and the rest of the household took her off to the burning ground at Torbeno. They were about to unload the coffin from the carriage in preparation for the usual funeral rites when they noticed that it was oddly light and the lid was ajar. Why, the body was gone! This was a shocking discovery. The body could not possibly have fallen out on the way, but they retraced their steps to make sure. Of course, they found nothing. But on reaching the house, they thought they might as well check the room by the double doors. There she was, lying there as though she had never been moved. The night more wore on, while the mourners discussed anxiously what to do. At dawn, they put the body back in the coffin and carefully sealed the lid, then waited for night and another chance to proceed with the cremation. But at nightfall, they again found the coffin open and were really terrified this time. The body was lying as before by the double doors, and it defeated every attempt to get it back where it belonged. They simply could not budge it. They might as well have tried to move a rooted tree. There she was, and apparently that was where she meant to stay. That's what you want, is it? One level-headed mourner finally said to the corpse. You like it here? All right, this is where we'll leave you. But we are going to have to get you out of sight, you know. They took up the floor and she was as light as a feather when they lowered her through the, the hole. So they buried her under the floor and built a good-sized mound over her. Then the family and servants all moved away, since no one wanted to stay on the same house with a corpse. Over the years, the house fell into ruin and eventually disappeared. For some reason, not even the common people seemed to be able to live near the mound, People claim that awful things happened there. As a result, the mound stood all alone, without a single hut, for forty or fifty feet around it. In time, a shrine was built on top of it, for one reason or another. And they say the shrine is still there. Huh. That's just uh, three Japanese tales of folklore and stuff that I thought you guys would, would like. They're not exactly the, the most normal um, you know, haunted stories or scary stories, but I, I've I found them to be a lot of fun. I like, uh, I like those simple kind of ghost stories. It reminds me a lot of uh, the old, I think it was like Haunted Richmond uh, books. My mom used to buy them back in the day and I used to read them every now and then. And a lot of them were very simple stories told by people about a ghost, you know, one ghost or another that came to the house. And 
it would only be a couple of pages long, but they would be, you know, very, very short and to the point, but very fun to read nonetheless. Uh, I just always thought that was really cool. Um, so I hope you guys like that one. Um, I'm going to have a couple more to read in just a minute. I got to go look and, and, and uh, pull some from my, uh, my books of mythology, but I, th- I thought you guys would really, really enjoy those. Um, and I hope you did. So stand by, uh, there will be more coming. All right, everybody, I'm going to continue to read a couple of stories for you guys, uh, that I hope you like. Um, these are actually going to be, the next few are going to be pulled, um, from American Indian myths and legends. Uh, this particular one is going to be from the Serrano tribe. Um, it's called the land of the dead. A great hunter brought home a wife. They loved each other and were very happy. But the man's mother hated the young wife. And one day, when the husband was out hunting, she put a sharp, pointed object in the wife's seat. And the woman sat down upon it and was killed. The people immediately brought brush and piled it up. They put her buddy on it and burned it. And by the time her husband returned that night, the body was all consumed. The man went to the burning place and stayed there motionless. Curls of dust rose and whirled about the charred spot. He watched them all night and all day. At evening they grew larger, and at last one larger than all the rest whirled round and round the burned spot. It set off down the road, and he set off after it. When it was quite dark, he saw that the dust he was following was his wife, but she would not speak to him. She was leading him in the direction of the rock past which all dead people go. If they have lived bad lives, the rock falls on them and crushes them. When they came to it, she spoke to her husband. We are going to the place of dead people, she told him. I will take you on my back so that you will not be seen and recognized as one of the living. Thus they traveled on until they came to the river that the dead have to ford. This was very dangerous for the man because he was not dead. But the woman kept him on her back, and they came through safely. The woman went directly to her people, to her parents and brothers and sisters who had died before. They were glad to see her, but they did not like the man, for he was not dead. The woman pleaded for him, however, and they let him stay. Special food always had to be cooked for him because he could not eat what dead people live on, and in the daytime he could see nothing. It was as if he were alone all day long. Only in the night did he see his wife and the other people. When the dead were going hunting, they took him along and stationed him on the trail the deer would take. Presently he heard them shouting, The deer! The deer! And he knew they were shouting to him, that the deer was coming in his direction, but he could not see anything. Then he looked again and spotted two little black beetles, 
which he knocked over. When all the people had come up, they praised him for his hunting. After that, the dead did not complain about his presence, but they did feel sorry for him. It's not time for him to die yet, they said. He has a hard time here. The woman ought to go back with him. So they arranged for both of them to return, and they instructed the man and the woman to have nothing to do with each other for three nights after they were back on earth. Three nights for the dead, however, meant three years for the living. Not aware of this, the husband and wife returned to earth and remained content for three nights. The following evening they embraced, and when the husband woke on the morning of the fourth day, he was alone. I thought that one was pretty cool. It's a little bit different idea of death um, than a lot of people have, but I've always thought that the uh, the land of the death tales were really cool. I was a huge fan of Greek mythology with, uh, you know, like, um, I'm going to say the Roman name for him, but like Pluto. Um, I, I always thought that was just a really cool idea of the afterworld. And people always say like they want to see their, the people that they love here on earth, but there's always a tale out there for someone who couldn't, let go of someone or has to follow them into the land of the dead. And I always thought that was really cool that people found a way to represent those moments, those failings where they go down there and usually it ends bittersweet. Um, but I do, I just, I love those stories, the macabre, I guess. Um, but yeah, I really, really like that one. So, all right, everybody, so this is going to be my final um, tale that I read you. Um, it comes from the, I believe it's called Picot Tribe, the Picot Tribe. It's called Big Eater's Wife. Big Eater ate and ate. He never stopped eating. He had his wigwam and two canoes on an island close to the mainland shore. Big Eater was powerful, but sometimes an evil ghost woman can defeat the most powerful man. One day, Big Eater was looking across the water, and there on the opposite shore he saw a beautiful young woman digging clams. How could he know that she was a ghost witch? He hailed her across the water. Beautiful girl, come live with me, sleep with me. No, she said. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, yes, yes. Well, all right. Big Eater got in one of his two canoes and paddled over. The woman was even more beautiful close up. All right, pretty one. Step into the canoe. Yes, but first I must get my things. Soon the girl came back with a mortar and pestle and some eggs. She put them into the canoe and Big Eater paddled her over. 
They ate. The beautiful woman said, Oh my, what great heaps of food you can eat. Yes, I'm powerful that way. They went to bed. Oh my, how often you can do it. Yes, I'm powerful that way. You sure are. So they lived happily for a long time. But after a while, this girl got tired of Big Eater. She thought, he's fat. He's not young. I want to change. I want to have a young, slim man loving me. I'll leave. So when Big Eater went out fishing in one of his canoes, the girl made a doll, a large doll, large as a grown woman. She placed the doll in her bed, took her mortar and pestle and eggs, put them in Big Eater's second canoe, and paddled off. Big Eater came home early from fishing, thinking it was his wife he was climbing in with, and he got into bed. He touched the doll, and the doll began to scream and shriek. Wife, he said, stop this big noise, or I'm going to beat you. Then he saw that it was a doll lying in bed with him. Big Eater jumped up and looked around. The mortar and pestle was, and eggs were gone. He ran down to the shore, got into the remaining canoe, and paddled furiously after his wife. Soon he saw her, also paddling hard, but he was stronger than she and pulled closer and closer. He drew up behind her canoe until both almost touched. Now I'll catch her, he thought. Then the woman threw her mortar out of the canoe over the stern. At once all the water around him turned into mortars, and Big Eater was stuck. He couldn't paddle until at last he lifted his canoe and carried it over the mortars. By the time he gained clear water again, his wife was a long way off. Again he paddled furiously. Again he gained on her. Again he almost caught her. Then she threw her pestle over the stern and at once the water turned into pestles. Again Big Eater was stuck trying to paddle through the sea of pestles, but unable to. He had to carry his canoe over them, and when he hit the open water again, his wife was far distant. Again, Big Eater drove through the water with all of his strength. Again, he gained on her. Again, he almost caught her. Then, from the stern of her canoe, the woman threw the eggs out. At once the water turned into eggs, and once more Big Eater was stuck. The eggs were worse than the mortar and the pestle because Big Eater couldn't carry his canoe over them. Then he hit the eggs, smashing them one by one and cleaving a path through the gooey mess. He hit clear water, and his wife's canoe was only a little dot on the horizon. Again he paddled mightily. Slowly he gained on her again. It took a long time, but finally he was almost even with her. This time I'll catch you, he shouted. You have nothing left to throw out. But his wife just laughed. 
She pulled out a long hair from her head, and at once it was transformed into a lance. She stood up and hurled this magic hair lance at Big Eater. It hit him square in the chest, piercing him through and through. Big Eater screamed loudly and fell down dead. That's what can happen to a man if he marries a ghost witch. Okay, so that was a couple of tales that I really thought you guys would like. Uh, hopefully it did. Uh, hopefully I wasn't too annoying just me being the only person on the mic. Um, lastly, though, I thought we'd talk about uh, just for a little bit about some local legends um, that are here around uh, New Kent County and Richmond, Virginia. Um, I always thought it was really cool. Uh, when I was younger, when people would talk about something called the uh, West Point Cohoke Light, um, it was supposedly a, uh, a train conductor um, that ended up getting... No, I'm sorry. Why wow, I always say train conductor, and I've read it like a million times. It is a brake man. Um, and the reason it is a brake man is because this is the guy that literally would get off the train and, uh, activate the brakes or, you know, the emergency brakes or make sure that the train was breaking kind of thing. Anyway, this guy gets out, ends up getting his head decapitated, um, real gruesomely. And, uh, supposedly now you can <clears throat> drive on down to, uh, route 632 in West Point, Virginia and you can see this light. Uh, supposedly the light is like a yellowish light. And it's supposed to look a lot like somebody is uh, carrying a lantern swaying back and forth. Um, and I know a lot of people have said that they've seen it. And I, a lot of people, a lot of people used to go see this thing. Um, they've had sightings for over a hundred years. Um they also, they have an alternate legend as well that supposedly instead of a brake man getting his head decapitated, that it was also a train full of Confederate soldiers that disappeared and never made it to their destination. So now when you go down there, you can see like a bright oncoming train light. And when it reaches you, there's no train. Um, of course, I, that's probably another one that I imagine people have thought they have seen or may have told people that they have seen, but that one seems fairly far-fetched. Um, but I do have to admit, I went down one time with a few of my friends. Um, I thought that, uh, I thought it was dumb. Um, but I was also wearing like flip-flops and shit. So I was just in a bad mood to have to go crawling around on a, uh, railroad, uh, track like late at night also it is now uh legal to pull your car over there and go walking on the track so just a whole heap of not good times uh out there on the railroad tracks but we went and um we were there for a while and we never we never saw anything but it, it makes for a good time and i think it's a good legend that still to this day gets passed on um, just because either there are people that feel like they have seen it or more than likely it's just, uh, at this point, it's just something that the, the county is known for. 
uh, or the city of West Point is known for. And there's not much that you can do to dissuade people to, to you know, not talk about it when it's this long held legend um, of the people there in that town. But it, I always thought it was a cool, just a really cool story. And I know a lot of like friends, parents that have told me that they've seen it. I've had friends tell me they've seen it. I've had people that are like authority figures tell me that they have actually seen it. So, I mean, you know, whether or not you buy into it or not, I guess it's, it's up to you. Um, but I, I just always thought it was a really cool story. Um, and something that was neat for the town to have. Um, one of the other ones that you hear about, this is more so in like Richmond. Um, they're the Richmond vampire. Now this one's kind of cool because it's also it's actually based uh, on something that happened, uh, which is that uh, in 1925, the Churchill area suffered a massive cave-in of a train tunnel, and uh, apparently the train was in the tunnel. A lot of people died, and uh, supposedly. This is where it starts to become kind of like an urban legend and a, a tale and the you know that you would tell around a campfire. But supposedly a creature clawed its way out of the caved in tunnel and apparently his mouth was covered with blood and his teeth were jagged and strips of decomposing skin were hanging off his arms and legs and supposedly this little creature ran straight into a crypt that was marked for W.W. Pool. So, you know, people have now been saying it's a, um, that's the Richmond vampire that's out there, supposedly. I think in, I think it's supposed to be, yeah, Hollywood Cemetery is where it's supposed to be. And, um, and more than likely, if anything did come out of that, that wreckage, I mean, it could have just been a person that was involved in it that was trying to seek help, but who knows, like, why he would run into the crypt of W.W. Pool. <clears throat> but, I mean, that's that's just, you know. But supposedly there was a, uh, there was also a man by the name of Benjamin F. Mosby, uh, who was actually a fireman who was shoveling coal into the steam tank of the train, when the cave-in occurred, and apparently Mosby was uh, scouted almost beyond recognition from the disaster. He did come out of the tunnel, uh, severely burned, with skin falling off his body in flaps, and the man was apparently rushed to Grace Hospital, where he died 24 hours later. Um, So, I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's fake if you ever looked into it, but I gotta tell you, from my experience, there's still a lot of kids... uh, and actually like college age adults um, that still make their way out there to Hollywood cemetery to see the, uh, the old rich and vampire. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a neat story. It's a throwing the whole vampire part in there is kind of not worth it. Kind of overplays the already horribleness of a disaster, but Hey, it's one of those tales, man. It's one of those urban legends that, People pass around to each other and and tell. Um, at this point, it's it's the same idea of you know 
like the hook on the car or Bloody Mary or the call that comes from within inside the house or the clown statue. Um, a lot of those stories are really good, really good for scaring kids and passing along. But in the end, they're just they're just urban legends. You know, it's a, a friend heard from a friend that they had happened to them, you know, um, or people just want to be scared. Um, Virginia has a couple more. I was actually laughing when I was looking through some of the information to actually do this one, um, which I scrapped several times because I literally did not have a script and had no idea what I was going to be talking about. But apparently there is a bridge. Um, so I think it's in Fairfax. Yeah, Fairfax, Virginia. It's called the Bunny Man Bridge. Uh, supposedly there's um, like a guy uh, that goes out there dressed in a, in a bunny costume with a hatchet. And uh, they hang like dead rabbit car- carcasses all around this bridge. And the funny thing was when I read that, I had to start laughing because I guarantee you, I have actually talked with people about another bridge, this one in Williamsburg, Virginia, involving the exact same story with the exact same premise as like the escaped guy or the group of people that are out there waiting to kill people, you know, and they're in their their call sign is they hang the skinned rabbits all around the bridges and you know, it's uh, at this point, it's obvious it's an urban legend, but it's a fun one, you know, that gets passed around. People, you know, still tell it, but it's definitely one of those stories that'll still make you, you know, press that uh, gas pedal a little bit harder uh, when you go through at night by yourself. Turn the music up a little bit louder, make you feel a little bit safer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we'll go ahead and call it here. Uh, we're close to 40 minutes, and uh, I know this episode has been rough. I know um, I know it's probably not the best one, but yeah, I wanted to give you guys some content, uh, so I apologize for not being on the ball for this one. But if you do, um, if you like pieces of this one. Um, I know that our listener field is still fairly small and considered just like friends and uh, family members that still listen to us. So I want to go ahead and say if you guys do like uh, like me reading or if you would like to hear some of us read stories sometimes um, we're up for it. Uh, I would love to do some episodes with you know people who want to maybe read some of their writing or pass it on to us if they want to read it anonymously uh that'd be fine too like we're always up for that um but yeah thanks for listening again sorry for being late sorry for not having the best content this week but i hope you guys enjoy it and we will be coming back soon uh with a true to form uh halloween episode filled with ghost stories and and stories you know and hopefully a little bit more fun because it won't it won't be just me um but we're, we're planning that we're also planning on doing an episode about um extra life uh which is coming up november 4th uh get lost podcast uh is also uh the get lost gaming um podcast as well we uh 
this is something that we do for the it's the children's miracle uh network and it's the children's hospital of richmond at vcu that's uh we try to raise money for it's a 24 hour uh gaming marathon where we just play games for 24 hours um we're always looking for more people to join in so if you're interested please uh let us know um we'll take you um you you can set a goal uh for money that you want to raise but you don't have to make that goal and if you don't you're not required to pay the difference it's literally just raising money for sick kids at a hospital and uh I've really enjoyed doing it and I think that a few more people on our team would really help and I th- I think whoever joins would really enjoy it so but with that this is the end of this episode thank you so much if you did listen all the way through if you didn't I can't blame you it's okay but uh we'll be back with more content or more content and uh more more stories and more fun so thanks guys you guys have a good one thanks for listening